So 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15, we're going to uh, continue our further adventures of Elijah. We're closing up on our, our uh, I've been doing a series of sermons on Elijah, and uh, I love the story of Elijah, and we just, a couple of weeks ago, I preached on Elijah bringing down fire on hev- out of heaven and burning up the 50 men that came to get him, and all kinds of stuff like that. It's, he's got, lived an interesting life with the Lord, and this takes place, what we're reading here, this takes place... In chapter 19, right after Elijah had won that great battle, he brought fire down from heaven to prove that God was the Lord God over the the prophets of Baal. And then when Jezebel said, hey, if I find you by the morning, I'm going to kill you. And he took off, and Elijah took off, and he kind of got depressed, and he kind of ran off. He wanted to die, and he ran off in the cave, and God showed him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Come out of here. And that's where where we're picking up the story. And uh, in verse 15, and this is what the Lord said to him when he brought him out of the cave. He said to Elijah, and the Lord said unto him, go. Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abimelech, shalt thou anoint to be, the, to be prophet in thy room. So this is going to be what we're going to read this morning. It's going to be a transition from Elijah to Elisha. From Elijah to Elisha. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. He, God reminds Elijah, said, now listen, God, you're not the only one out here. It's not, just not going to be you and Elisha. I've got 7,000 7, other men that are doing the work, my work. They haven't bowed down to Baal. They're not kissing the, kissing the mouth of, of, of Baal. They're not uh, what we call rear-end kissers. They're, they're standing for the Lord God, so don't feel like you're all alone. Guys, you're never alone. Even if it's just you and God, you're the majority, okay? You're never alone. Verse 19. Verse 19, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. Talking about Elisha with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle, his mantle upon him. Brother Collins, do you mind praying over this sermon, please, brother? Thank you. Yes. Yes, please. Uh, for our hearts and our minds, Father, and that uh, we could uh, meditate on it day and night. Yes, Lord. all you do for us, Lord, and uh, continue to bless. And uh, uh, Father, just uh, be with those that couldn't be here and uh, just bring them back at the next appointed time. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. 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 So look at verse 19. We're going to start up at verse 19. So Elijah's going to go find Elisha. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. So Elisha was an old farmer. This, he went to, God's man to replace Elijah wasn't a professor, it wasn't a, a teacher, it wasn't a, a politician, it wasn't some great mind, some great intellect. It's just a common sense fa- farmer, just a common sense rancher. That's what God loves to use. He loves to use guys like me and you. Just some people, just normal old working man. He's found him, he's, it's the working man. He's gone to find the working man. And notice what Elisha was doing. Elisha wasn't praying. He didn't find Elisha praying or reading his Bible or in church. He found Elisha, Elisha working. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with praying. There's nothing wrong, of course, with reading your Bible or going to church. But what my point is, is God is looking for a few good men or women that are workers. You've got to be a worker. He wants you to be a worker. And if you'll just work, you just go out and just work, be, get, put your hands to work, God will use you and can use you. And that's where he finds Elisha. He comes along, finds Elisha, just working the common old things, plowing, some, plowing his field with his other 12 uh, yokes, and he's just, he's just doing the farm work, doing ranch work. A lot of the great men of God that God called, like to me personally, one of my favorite men that God's called in our generation would be Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody was a great man of God, one literally... Thousands and thousands of Jesus Christ. He had all kinds of incredible illustrations God gave Dwight O. Moody. Dwight O. Moody wasn't educated. When, God o, when Dwight O. Moody got called by God, Dwight O. Moody was in a shoe store selling shoes. Just like Elisha here, just working. And all of a sudden a man shows up and talks to him about the Christ and he gets saved at a shoe store selling shoes. That's the way the Lord God works. He's looking for you that way. That's how he's looking for you. He's looking for you while you're working. I didn't just... Uh, I, I, God called me while I was working. When I was a press man, I, was, I ran a printing press for about 10 years. They tell you, they'll say, when you run a printing press, it's either going to drive you to two things. It's either going to drive you to drinking or preaching. And everybody I was around were heavy drinkers. I was the only preacher. The point was, is when you're sitting there looking at this machine and it's going, guys, they don't stop that for hours and hours. So you're just staring like this down at this piece of paper going, and you're just staring and staring. You got lots of time to think. You got lots and lots of time to think. And I remember the Lord spoke to my heart about a lot of things. I remember reading my Bible, that press was going, chink, 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 and I'd get so caught up in my Bible, I'd look down and it'd be going, it'd be all messing up. You know, throw my Bible down, run over there, you know. God loves to call men while they're working. Then he calls Elisha here while he's working. Elijah just comes out and throws his mantle on him. Verse 20, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Elijah says unto Elisha, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? So basically what Elijah's telling him, said, I'm not the one that called you. That's between you and the Lord God. If you want to go back and talk to your parents, that's between you and the Lord God. I'm just doing what the Lord God told me to do. He told me to come get you. That's between you and the Lord God. What's that between me and you? What did I do to you? I didn't do it to you. I didn't put the calling on you. God puts the calling on you, amen? amen. And God can call you. I'm not trying to scare you, but God can call you when you least expect it. Right. I've seen a man right now, there's a man I know right now, that's uh, pastoring two different churches. He has a prison ministry when they can let him in the prison because of COVID. He's gone all over the world preaching Jesus Christ. And that man, glory to God, sold everything he had and he moved up north. That man got called right back there in this very church. I've seen it happen. Right back there when God called him. And when I was talking to him about preaching, he said, uh, you're not talking to me, you must be talking to my brother. That's exactly what he said. Walter Barbie. You're not talking to me. You must be talking about my brother. Because my brother wants to be a preacher. The Lord didn't lay it on my heart to ask you. The Lord laid it on my heart. I mean to ask him. The Lord laid it on my heart to ask you. And that started a chain of events that to this day, God's getting the glory out of it. I mean, it's amazing what God's did with him. 
Verse 21, And he, Elisha, he, returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave them to the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. What verse 21 tells you is that those yoke that he was using to plow that field, that yoke and those oxen he was using to plow that field, Elijah, Elisha just turns around, he takes those oxen, he kills them, feeds his family, feeds all his friends. Basically what he's doing, he said, there's no turning back. Jesus Christ said, man, puts his, puts his hand to the plow and then turns back, it's not fit for the kingdom of God. What he's doing is he's saying, you know what, God's called me to this purpose, I'm never coming back to work. I know I'm never going to do that again. And I've seen men, there's men on that wall right there, there's missionary men that they were, some of them had, had $150,000 a year, $150,000 a year jobs that they gave up to go over there to a foreign country to make peanuts. Lots of men like that, educated men. When Carl Deems came through here, that's Dr. Carl Deems. When he came through here, going over to Africa, doing things over in Africa. God calls all these amazing, very intelligent men, and he puts them doing some of the most menial tasks for him. But he gets the glory out of it. God gets the glory out of it. But what I, what I know about these men is that when they turned and went to God and says, God's starting to use me, whatever they were doing in the past, they just burned it. They burned that bridge. And that's what Elisha's doing. Elisha's burning this bridge. He says, I, there's no turning back. I can't change my mind and say, you know what, I don't want to serve God anymore. I just want to go back to doing a, being a farmer. Being a, and God said, no, no, that's, it's that, 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 that day's done. That day's done. Okay, turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Let's pick the story back up. Now, a lot happens between what we just read and chapter 2 of 2 Kings. Uh, the, the story of Naboth and uh, uh, the vineyard. Jezebel, all that stuff with Elijah happens, and, we, and I've already preached on that. I already preached on that. And one thing that's interesting is while all that stuff was happening in Elijah's life, there's Elisha was right there with him. Elisha was right there with him. So look at 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. This is the transition between, between Elijah to Elisha. God's going to transition that ministry from Elijah to Elisha. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgad. So God has revealed it to Elijah. I'm about to take you up to heaven. Can you imagine? That one day you wake up and you, maybe you're in your prayer or you're, in, you're doing your Bible reading and all of a sudden God just speaks to your heart and says, hey, I'm about to take you up to heaven. It's going to be in a whirlwind. Whoa. That's how close Elijah was walking with God. You know, I, I wouldn't mind that one bit if God wanted to tell me that. I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you. Verse 2, And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So Elijah says, Elisha, I've got God sending me down here, down to Bethel, so just stay here. And, I, and Elisha said, I'm not staying here. I'm going with you. Wherever you go, Elijah, that's where I'm going. That's a good friend, amen. That's a good friend. He's close to Elijah. He doesn't want to leave Elijah. Verse 3, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take thy master away from thy head today? And he said, Elisha said, yeah, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Let me, let me interpret that for you. He said, Yeah, I know all about it. Keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. 
don't you know that God's going to take Elijah from you today? And Elisha said, yeah, I know all about that. Don't talk to me about it. Just keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear anything about it. Elisha didn't like the idea. He doesn't like the idea. Why? He's about to lose his loved one. Amen? God's about to take his loved one. Verse 4, And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord that sent me to Jericho. So now God sent Elijah from there, Bethel, to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, Elisha turns to Elijah and said, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And, then the, and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Elisha said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. So there's another group of prophets there. And they're like, hey, don't you know that God's going to take Elijah? And Elisha says, like a lot of us says, I, you know what? Shut up. I don't want to talk about it. Just stop talking to me about it. I don't want to hear about it. Verse 6, And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. If you, keep your hand here, but turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Keep your hand here, but turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Because through what I just read to you through these verses, these first six verses, I read you about, a, about two men. I read, you, I read to you Elijah and Elisha, and I read to you about these two men that they were close. They were really, really close. And it said that they too went on. Uh, what happened with Elijah was Elijah was doing all that for God. In the beginning, God, he did all these amazing things for God, but there was a problem with Elijah in the beginning of his ministry. He was doing all these wonderful things for God, but he was doing it alone. So God says, I'm going to send you Elisha. So then from that point on, Elijah... And Elisha went hand in hand, and Elijah did some amazing things for God, but he always had Elisha as a right-hand man. Guys, it's important as Christians to remember, we don't need to go alone. You're not in this alone. Don't go alone. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one. Why are you trying to do it by yourself? Why are you trying to live? You can't live this Christian walk by yourself. Don't do it by yourself. You need to get a good brother or sister in Christ. You need a good, good friend in Christ. Guys, it's good. Two are better than one. You need to have your Elisha. You need to have your Elijah. You need to go out together because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10, why? For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. Yeah. So when bad things, when times, bad times happen, things start happening bad in your life, you'll have somebody there to encourage you, to help you up. Another brother or sister in Christ say, hey, everything's going to be okay. You know, I have a, I have a good friend of mine, that's, I have a good pastor friend of mine that's, that's pastoring this huge church up north, huge church up north. You know, one time he was so frustrated, he called me up and started cussing me out. Just cussing me out. And I can't repeat what he was saying. He was so mad, so fed up, so frustrated. He was ready to give up. He called and he's cussing me out. I don't care what you have to say, kicking you blankety blank, cuss me out and everything. Hung up the phone. You know what I did? I'll never talk to him again. No. I said, I got to get on my knees and pray. That dear brother, he's fell. I'm not saying fell out of grace. He's fell. He's tripped and fell like we all do, amen? We all get, don't you ever have those times? You're like, I'm fed up with this. I'm done. 
It's just you don't want to hear about a pastor doing that, right? So we got down and prayed, and calls me back later on. A couple days later, he said, man, I'm sorry. I was having a bad time. I said, brother, I didn't think, don't worry about it. I'm praying for you. Amen, glory to God. So now God's using him, and God's using him in a mighty way. Two are better than one. All right? Because the Bible says right there, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. When I've had trouble in my ministry, I've had brothers in Christ, they're good friends of mine, they call me up, they help me up, give me great advice. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. It's important to get yourself into church. You've been around other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that can help you. Because when you stumble, when you fall, you start just getting those blues. We all are that way. This is, you know, you get fed up with life. life. Life is horrible sometimes. You have somebody else to cheer you up, to help you up. Say, hey man, things are going to be okay. Verse 11, look at this. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? That goes back to, you've heard those survival stories where somebody's either in, in, the, in an ocean, in a, in a shipwreck in the ocean, and they have to get together, they huddle together, they're sharing each other's heat, they're, they're stuck up in the snow in an avalanche, and they, they get together and they're, they're sharing each other's heat. Guys, how does that apply to me, brother? The way that applies to you is, is when somebody's on fire for the Lord and you're cold, they're on fire for the Lord. That's going to warm you up. Amen. You think every time I walk through these doors, I'm just on fire for the Lord? I wish I could say yes. Every time I walk through those doors, I'm like, glory to God, let's go, let's go. Sometimes like this morning, I walk in, my car's broke down. I just spent about $1,000, $1,500 on it. I get back, and I, it breaks down one mile out of town. I'm fed up, I'm frustrated. I get in, I'm running late. You don't think I want to walk through those doors and say, man, I'm done. Church is over today. I don't want to have church. It's like the old joke where the guy gets up and says, man, I don't want to go to church today. And his wife says, you've got to go. I don't want to go to church. And the wife says, you've got to go. You're the pastor. You've got to go to church today. <laughs> it's that joke, you know. But when somebody is on fire for the Lord, that heat will warm you up. When I see somebody saying, no, I'm excited about Jesus Christ. I'm excited about learning the Word of God. I'm excited about hearing preaching. I'm excited about singing for Jesus Christ. That does something for me. It gets me excited. I'm saying, you know what, yeah, yeah, it starts warming you up. Verse, verse 11, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? When you're by yourself, you grow cold and there ain't nobody else there to warm you up. Good advice from the Word of God. And then, of course, verse 12, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. We're in this fight together. We're in this fight together. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And if you can get three people together in agreement, if you can get four, oh, it's hard to break that. It's hard to break that. This is the importance of church. Getting in church and being around other brothers and sisters in Christ, it helps encourage you. You get on fire for the Lord. helps you when you fall down. They can lift you up. It's what the church is there for. It's what God gave us the church for. It's one of the greatest gifts God given us is, has given us is the church. So we can come together and we can lift each other up. And we can be like Elijah. And Elijah said, I don't care where you're going, Elijah. I'm going with you. We're in this together. Amen. Turn back to 2 Kings chapter 2. Turn back to 2 Kings chapter 2. I love to read old war stories because to me, that's when it gets real. When you're, when you're in the heat of battle and you're about to die, that's when there's, you know, the atheists, they leave the foxholes. You know, the, there's no atheists in foxholes is what they say. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that's when a lot of people start crying out for God. 
But I read a story about these two friends in World War I. They grew up together in the same town and went to school together. They were best friends. They did everything together. When they get, went into World War I, they went into fighting World War I, they got put in the same spot. Well, they went on to the war, and the way they do in World War I, they'd leave the trench, they'd run, they called it no man's land. They'd run, they'd try to gra grab some ground, and of course there's machine gun fire from every direction, just wiped them out, killed them by the thousands. J.R.R. Tolkien, the one that wrote The Lord of the Rings, he had five friends. Him and five friends went over there to, in World War I. He's the only one that survived. Same way with C.S. Lewis, a lot of his friends died. World War I was just devastating for the, uh, for the British Empire. It just wiped out most of the males. But the point is, is when they would run out of this no man's land, they would come, a lot of them wouldn't come back. So this friend came back, and he got back into the trench. He looked around, his other friend was missing. So he told his commanding officer, he said, listen, I want to go back and get my friend. He's out there. And the commanding officer, don't waste your time. If he's out there, he's dead. Don't waste your time. He's long gone. Son, just admit it. Don't, don't waste your time. And the friend said, no, I can't do it. You've got to let me go. Let me go. And the commanding officer says, you know what, just go. I'm tired of hearing you. So that friend, he left out. And he, he left out went looking for his friend. Well, the commanding officer and all the other soldiers were in that trench waiting. And before long, here comes that man. Here comes that man. And he's got his friend on his shoulder. And here he comes running across that battlefield. And the commanding officer said, See, I told you it was a waste of time. He's dead. And that friend said, No, he's not. He's alive. He's alive. And they said his face was just glowing. He says, He's alive. And he said, And when I found him, you know what he whispered to me? I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. We got a friend like that in Jesus Christ. We get down on that battlefield and the devil's got us. He's beat us up. He's thrown his fiery darts. We got darts sticking out of every part of our body. And nobody, everybody's the, the abandoned us. Nobody thinks we can survive. That's when Jesus Christ comes up and he says, hey, come on. And we always whisper in our prayer, Lord, I knew you'd come. Man, I knew you'd come, Lord. So back in 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 7. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. So when Elijah and Elisha get to the Jordan River, they're there and Elijah, he just takes off his mantle and he, you know, y'all guys that were, y'all men that were in PE, y'all know what I'm about to talk. They'd take it, it's just like you do an old towel that you'd go out there and you snap it. Remember when we do that to each other in, in, in PE class, you know? You go, that's what he did. He wrapped that mantle and he, he rolled it up like that and he went whack, slapped that water. And it says that water went just like Moses, just like the Red Sea. And they didn't walk over on the mud. They walked over on dry ground. See, so you read, I, I, I remember seeing these A&E back in the day. I don't know if they do them anymore, but History Channel A&E, they used to have these stories about how they would try to explain away the the Red Sea, parting of the Red Sea. They, no, they didn't go. They went over in this marshy ground, and it was swampy. But when you read the Bible, the Bible says not only did the sea part, and it was a wall. They walked over on dry ground. You can't explain that away. You can't say. You, the only way you can say that is it's a miracle of God. That's all you can say. And this is another miracle of God. Whack! He slaps that water. It parts. Verse 9, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Wow. 
Elijah's one of the greatest prophets, if not the greatest prophet in God's word. And Elisha says, hey, I just want a double of what you got. <laughs> Woo, now that's a man right there. That's a real man. Elijah, you're good, but I want to be double as good as you. I want us double what you got. What's wrong with that? Not a cotton-picking thing. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong with us saying, Lord, I know you did a lot with Dwight L. Moody. Lord, I know you did a lot with Dr. Rutman. Lord, I know you did a lot with Billy Graham. But Lord, could you do just about double of that with me? What's wrong with praying that? Nothing. Guys, use some common sense. What, what's, what's the worst thing God could do? Say no. Amen. He'll say no, okay. Because that's what he says here, verse 10. And Elijah said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. I think we're going to be ashamed when we get up into heaven, we start talking to the Lord God, and we come up there, and the Lord's going to say, I would have did so much more with you, but you just didn't ask. I would have did so much more to you and with you and did so much for you, but you just wouldn't ask. So many times we get in trouble, the first thing we do, we hit our back pocket and pull out our Visa card, our MasterCard, we call the bank, we, and the last thing we do is we get down on our knees and ask the Lord God, Lord, will you provide for me? Will you help? Nothing wrong with asking. Nothing wrong with asking. Verse 11, here we go. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. Amen. It's raptured. Oh, Elijah got raptured out. They're just walking along. All of a sudden, the chariots of fire with the horses just whoosh in a whirlwind. And there goes Elijah being carried up. It's amazing. He was raptured out by God. Alive. He was carried up into heaven. Alive. That's a great type of the rapture. That there's Elijah. He's standing there alive. And then boom, he's gone. There he goes. That's going to be us when Jesus Christ comes and gets us. I can't wait. You know, there were some books written in the 70s. I can't even think of the guy's name. It starts with Eric something, Von, Von Dummy or something like that. I can't remember his whole name. But he wrote Chariots of the Gods, Chariots of the Gods. And, he, and he'd read stuff like this. And the Bible said, see, those are aliens that are coming down. Listen, guys, that's a chariot of fire and horses of fire. There's definitely UFO-type things in the Bible. That's not one of them. Those are that's a chariot of fire and horses of fire. It says what they look like, what they are. They come up. Grabs Elijah, and away he goes. This reminds me so much of Enoch. Enoch is another great type of the rapture. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You know, your uh, loved ones, they don't pass away. They don't just pass away. When your loved ones, they don't pass away, God took them. Jesus took them. And when I go, Jesus is going to take me. And just like Elijah, when, he, when God was ready, God just took Elijah. God took Enoch. And God's going to take you. If the Lord tarries and I'll come back and you're on your death, God's just going to come take you. And that's exactly what I want. I want the Lord to come take me. And Elijah went up in a war, by whirlwind into heaven. Great type of the rapture. That's a great, that's, man, I'd love to see in that picture. Verse 12, and Elisha saw it. Elisha saw it. Uh-oh, what does that mean? He's going to get that double portion he prayed for. He's going to get that double portion. 
And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He's crying, My father, my father, talking to Elijah. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Woo! He's getting excited. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and he rent them in two pieces. That's the way they would mourn. They would take their clothes and they would rip their clothes in mourning. It would show that they were distraught. They would rip the clothes. He's crying out. He's crying for Elijah. He knows Elijah's going to be okay, but he's going to miss him. There's nothing wrong with that. We miss our loved ones. We can't wait to go see them, but we know that they're not lost. We know they're not passed away. We know that God's took them. Right? Verse 13, And he took up also the mantle of Elijah. So that mantle fell off. And that mantle would be like a, we would call it like a little, like, um, like a coat, like a little cloak. It just would wrap over your shoulders. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Guys, when we have loved ones in Christ that pass away, that pass away and the Lord's took them, we need to pick up their mantle. When they, when they, pass, when they go on, the Lord's took them, and that mantle falls off of them, some good brothers and sisters in Christ, it's our job to run over there and pick up that mantle. Somebody needs to pick up the mantle. Do you see what I'm trying to say? When we're in the battlefield and that banner for Jesus Christ is being waved by one of our loved ones and then they, the Lord takes them and that banner hits the ground, don't let the banner hit the ground. Go up there and pick up that banner and say, I'm going to keep on waving it. Like Luther waved it, I'm going to wave it. Like Glado Moody waved it, I'm going to wave it. Like Billy Graham waved it, I'm going to wave it. I'm going to keep on waving it. But guys, there's... We should know brothers and sisters in Christ. And I know there's been some in this church that have passed away. Uh, brother uh, Raymond Music is one of them. There's a, there's a brother right there that was not ashamed of Jesus Christ, not one bit. We were in, uh, we were in there ringing the, the uh, Salvation Army. We were reading the bell for Salvation Army, handing out tracts. We were in that grocery store, Brookshire Brothers. And we looked over, and there's Brother Raymond over there. And he's, he was uh, buying some meat or something at the, the meat counter. And he's over the top, and he handed them a gospel track. He wasn't ashamed. When we take Brother Raymond out there to go street preaching, we'd be out there holding signs. Brother Raymond would walk out in the traffic and hand people tracks through the window. You need Jesus. <laughs> like, get over here, Brother Raymond. You're going to get run over. So when God took Brother Raymond, somebody needs to take his place. And Elisha takes up that mantle. And look at what he says in verse 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah and fell, that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? <laughs> and when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. That's my question this morning to you. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He takes that and he wraps that mantle up and goes, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Whack! Well, he's right there where he's always been. There goes the water parting, and he goes, Well, we're on dry land. Where is the Lord God of Elijah where he's always been up on his throne ruling and reigning? Where is the Lord God of Dwight O. Moody? Where is the Lord God of Dr. Rutman? Where is the Lord God of Billy Graham? Where is the Lord God of some of our dearly beloved Christians? Where is the Lord God? He's still there. He's the Lord God. You know, my, I'm, I'm, going, I'm praying, saying, Lord, thank you for this car. We got the car up and going. I'm so excited. I'm going to get better gas mileage three miles out of town. Car breaks down. Car breaks down. So where's the Lord God of Elijah? Where's the Lord God of Kigan when my car breaks down? Where is that? Where's the Lord God when my car breaks down? Same place he was when my car was running. <laughs> 
You don't know how bad I want to get out. Take my tie off. Take my tie off. Go like this and start hitting that car. Where's the Lord God? About? And turn it into a chariot of fire. Let's get to church. And it turned into a chariot of fire. Let's go. You know. Didn't work. I'm still running late. Where is your Lord God? He's still up in heaven reigning on His throne. Here's what I want to show you. In this story, and when I preach about Elijah, the reason why I preach about Elijah is because God did some amazing things to Elijah. And I'm going to try to preach some stuff on Elisha, and God's going to do some really amazing things through Elisha. But guys, I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't always do amazing things like that. One of the stories you're going to see about Elisha is Naaman. Naaman's a leper. Naaman came and Naaman was healed of his leprosy. And when Jesus Christ talked about that story in the, Old, in the New Testament, you know what Jesus Christ said about that in, new, that new in the New Testament? When Jesus Christ talked about Naaman, you know what He said? He said there were many lepers in the land of Israel in those days. But only one was healed, Naaman. Where is the Lord God of Elijah when He doesn't do what you want Him to do? That's the question. If Elisha would have hit that water and that water didn't part, would you think Elisha would have just threw down that mantle and said, well, that's it, I'm not dealing with God anymore. Elisha would have gone and had to say, well, I guess I'll have to get a boat or get those prophets to get a boat and bring me over here because uh, it's not working right now. Lord, don't see fit to have that work for me. Where is the Lord God of Elijah when he doesn't answer our prayers like we want him to answer? Is he still the Lord God? He is. Turn to Hebrews, I'll show you this. Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll close. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll close. I'll show you this. Hebrews chapter 11. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Well, He's where He's always been. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. This is one of the most important things you can learn about the Lord God. And I hope you, I hope you learn it this morning. I hope this comes, I hope this comes through... Crystal clear this morning to you. I, I was reading a story about a pastor. And uh, this lady's son had died. And this lady came up to this pastor and she said to the, to the pastor, she said, where was God when my son died? Where was God when my son died? And the pastor being, with all wisdom that's given to him from God, I guess, he just turned and told the lady, well, ma'am, I guess he was the same place when his son died on the cross of Calvary. He was in the same place he was when his son died on the cross of Calvary. Verse 33. This chapter here, chapter 11, verse 33, is a chapter of the great... Faith chapter. Oh, it's all about faith. Having faith in how men and women have done great things by faith for God and through God. But look at verse 33. Well, look at verse 32 to get the context. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. We're reading of the prophets, Elijah and Elisha. Look at verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Amen. Wrought righteousness. Amen. Obtained promises. Glory to God. Stopped the mouth of lions. Miracles. Quenched the violence of fire. Praise God. 
Escape the edge of the sword. Glory to God. Out of weakness, we're made strong. Glory to God. Wax valiant in fight. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Look at this next one in verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Glory to God. What a miracle. Now that's real faith. But you got to put a mark right there. Keep reading verse 35 with me. And others were tortured. Nobody wants to talk about the others. Nobody wants to talk about the others. We, we focus on the first part of that list, amen? You know, lions stopped, winning the battle, all these great miracles we love, and Christians love to talk about that because that's what we love to think about, but we don't want to talk about the next step of it. Verse 35, let's start over verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again, colon, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. That's the same ones. That's some of the same ones, guys. And sometimes they didn't have any miracles. All they got was the stoning. Or they got cut in half. That sawn in half, that's what supposedly happened to Isaiah. Sawn in half. Just cut in half. Glory to God. Amen. Where's the Lord God of Elijah? Where's the Lord God of Elisha when all this stuff's going on? Verse 38, whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, underline that, these all, all these, those, all those before in verse 33 all the way up to verse 38, all of these, these all have obtained a good report. How? Through faith. Receive not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. It's all about looking to Jesus Christ. It's all about looking to Jesus Christ. So I want to close by saying this, something very important. Where is the Lord God of Elijah when bad things happen to you in life? Where is the Lord God of Elijah when he doesn't do a miracle? Where is the Lord God of Elijah when things don't go right? You need to understand what real faith is. Real faith is not believing enough to make God do something for you. And you'll hear preachers sometimes on TV to kind of teach that. You've got to keep on believing. You've got to believe enough to make God do it. You know, That's not real faith. Real faith is not believing enough to make God do it. Real faith is believing when God doesn't do it. When God doesn't do what you want Him to do, be like Job. Naked I came out of my womb, naked I will return. God giveth, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's real faith. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So God, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He's right where he's always been, saving sinners from a lost, and lost world. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ has never changed.
In 2,000 years, God has done some great miracles in the church. And for 2,000 years, the church has seen people stoned to death, burned alive, crucified, on and on and on and on. But the truth still remains, the Lord God is the Lord God. And He's working. And He's working. So keep the faith, brothers and sisters, no matter what, because this world's going to get worse, no matter what happens in this world, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, because of the others. We might be the others. We might not get to stop the lion's mouth. We might not get to do some miracles. But we are still got the promises of God, along with all those others. You know, Thomas, Downton Thomas, he said, unless I see Jesus Christ and get to put my hand into his print of his nails and put my, thrust my hand in his side, I won't believe. Because see, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus Christ had shown up the first time. Well, then Jesus Christ shows up again and there's Thomas and Jesus Christ says, Thomas, come here. Put your finger right in here. Thomas, take your hand and thrust it in my side. Don't be doubting but believing. What did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. He got down on his knees. And Jesus Christ says, You believe because you've seen. But more blessed is those that never have seen, but yet believe. That's me and you. You know you're more blessed than Thomas. You don't need to have Jesus Christ walk in that back door. You say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to believe. Because I believe in the Lord God of Elijah. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He's on my side through Jesus Christ. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He's my salvation in Jesus Christ. That's where the Lord God of Elijah is. He's my Father up in heaven. He's my Father. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly, Father. And I pray, Father, if somebody that doesn't know you as Father, that don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord God, you speak to the heart the truth. And Lord, I pray they might get saved and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, and if somebody out there is dealing with some stuff, Lord God, with you, and maybe, Father, they don't understand why you've done something in their life. Lord, I don't understand why you do the things you do, Lord God, but I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust you're doing it right. You're a righteous God. You're a holy God. But, Father, I pray you give us peace and understanding, Lord, to get through it. And, Lord, I pray you give us grace and strength to get through it, Lord God. And I know, Lord, above all else, that this isn't the end. This isn't the end, Lord God, that we've got an eternal life waiting for us up in heaven, Lord God. And one day we'll get to see Elijah, we'll get to see Elisha, we'll get to see Jesus Christ face to face. And I can't wait for that day, Lord. And Lord God, I know you're my God and I thank you for it. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.